Well, we're treading on light, uh, some light ground here because the, you see bread, I do not mean to do this, all right? Uh, so I'll try to be careful up here with everything up here. So today is, is an interesting, uh, interesting time as we go into our Proverbs series. So we've been looking at Proverbs and we've been looking um, in, in a series called Everyday Wisdom. And it's been a great series. I've really enjoyed looking over the Proverbs. Um, but today, as I come with the message, I, I honestly come with a heavy heart. Because what we're going to talk about today is something that I have a lot of practice at. But I, my practice is because I'm not very good at it at times. So today we start to get into the real nitty-gritty of Proverbs. It's going to get very personal. And so I just want to warn you on that. Um, it's going to get extremely personal as we look into what we're seeing. And so as I went into this, I, I thought about that. But then another thing struck me. I, I was thinking about when I joined the Marine Corps, and I got this. Does anyone know what this is? What is it? Well, kind of, man. But not really. So inside this is like these little mini scissors, and I got, which don't, does not fit a male, male finger, so I don't know why they gave it to me. Um, some, some threads, some needles. So they issued me this sewing kit. I mean, it looks cool in this bag, so I'm like, great. But I was like, why did they issue you a sewing kit? And within like a week of being in the Marine Corps, I realized why they issue you a sewing kit. Because the nature of the job will, will make your uniform get worn out and tears will happen just because of what you're doing um, in the Marine Corps. The, the job necessitates a sewing kit. And as we look in our lives, when we look in our human relationships, conflict is bound to happen right, as we traverse life. Genesis 3 promises that. When the fall happens, a relationship break doesn't just happen with God, it happens with each other. And so that conflict creates tears that need mending. And that leads us to our key verse today. And we're going to be hopping around, but our key verse, our key text is what Steve read. Proverbs 17.9, whoever would foster love or whoever desires or seeks love covers over an offense or repairs an intimate relationship but whoever repeats the matter or speaks of it, gossips about it, separates close friends or destroys that intimate relationship. And what we see here is we see in this verse in 79, two things juxtaposed to each other when relational tears happen. You can either foster or seek love and seek to repair that, or you can make the, the, the tear bigger by talking about the person's faults and, and just how wrong they are. And so today we're going to focus on how we mend that. We're going to look at Proverbs, we're going to talk about how we mend relationships. What does God have to say about that relationship? And so today's message, message is titled, Repairing Relationships. So let's pray and ask God's hand to be upon us today as we go through this. Father God, we thank you. We thank you for who you are. We thank you for your word. I pray that you prepare our hearts to receive the message. And I pray that you would heed your wise prescription on how to mend relationships. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, the first thing that I figured out when I, when I took this, this uh, sewing kit out, I can't find it in here, but 
What I found out was threading a needle is very difficult. Has anyone ever tried to thread a needle before? It's impossible for me. I, my fingers just don't work right. I can't line it up. And then once you actually line it up and you start to sew, I mean, I'm thinking, well, this is easy. You just do a couple stitches, done. And I realized that's not, sewing by hand is hard. And it requires patience to thread the needle and sew. And the same thing happens with turning a relationship requires patience. Proverbs 16.32 says, better a patient person than a warrior, one with self-control than one who takes a city. You can't just run into a broken relationship and think it's going to be repaired like that. You need to exercise patience. You know, relationships take time to get damaged. And it's going to take time to rebuild. You know, now and then, um, I decide that I want to relive my 20s, and so I go run like 10 miles. And the other day, I went out to uh, the state park, Harold Parker State Park, and I'm like, yeah, I'm going to go for a, a six-mile jog. I was, I was done. Because it takes time to get healthy. It takes time to build your body to do that. And I wasn't ready for it. And, and it takes patience. And it's the same thing with our relationships. It took time to damage them. So the question is, how do I remain patient? Because I want this so bad. I want to fix this. And I want it right now. And I think the key thing is here is we have to remember how patient God has been with us. Think about it. While we were sinners, God was patient with us. He chose us. He quickened our hearts with his spirit. And right now, as we go and we're, we're made into the image of Christ, he's so patient with us. How many times have you done and you said, Lord, I will never do that again? But then you do it. Yet God says, I paid for that. I've covered that. My grace is sufficient. So that's the first thing. As I, as I went and I started to mend my, my utilities, my camouflage utilities, I needed to make sure that I had a proper mindset here. Because the fact of the matter was, is there's a, there's a tear. The, the, the structural integrity of my uniform has been compromised. Now I am sewing it back together. And it might rip again. Or I need to make sure that I constantly look at it from time to time to make sure just how those sutures are, are holding, uh, holding together. And it's the same thing with a relationship. Repairing a relationship, repairing a relationship requires proper expectations. Proper expectations. Proverbs 22, 11 says, one who loves a pure heart and who speaks with grace will have the king for a friend. We have to have proper expectations. As we, as we go and we, and we tend to this broken relationship, we need to cover our speech with grace. Because here's the fact. The fact is, is that there have been thought and behavior patterns that have developed over the years through neglect, trauma, or some sort of life-dominating sin. People have gotten used to operating a certain way in a relationship. And here's the thing. When you have an expectation up here and realities down here in between is disappointment. But the question is, is how do I... How do I manage my expectations, right? Because that's the key. Like, I want to manage my expectations. I think we have to ask ourselves, are we seeking God's will on this, or are we seeking our will? What is the cry of our heart? Is it, my will be done in this relationship, or your will be done, Lord? 
Are you seeing this as a way to worship God in this mending of the relationship and a ministry opportunity? Or are you seeking an opportunity to just your will being established? We have to really get real with ourselves with that. So we need to make sure we have the proper expectations as we go into this. So that's the second thing. The third thing that I found out, and I mentioned this already, is, well, let's just take a look at this. Look, you can't even see these scissors. Can you see them? No, I can't even fit my fingers in here. All right? I can't even find the needles in here because they're so small. The thread is, like, I have great eyes, too. I could barely see it. And then when you start doing it, it requires like nimble fingers, which I do not have nimble fingers. And I realized sewing is hard. It's ridiculously hard. And so I quickly became very humbled as I started to sew my uniform back up. And the same thing as we look to relationships. Repairing the relationships, the relationship requires humility. It requires humility. Proverbs 22, 4 says, Humility is the fear of the Lord. Its wages are riches and honor of life. You have to have humility when you, when you enter into repairing a relationship. Again, repairing a relationship is hard work. And, and here's the thing. When you, when you go and you want to repair a relationship, it's weird how things just happen. All of a sudden, like these grenades of words and looks and attitudes just fly all over the place. You try to start working something out, and it, it quickly just goes off the rails. And here's the thing. We're always going to think that we're right. Our natural tendency is to think that we are right. And I, and I hate to admit this, but I don't know how many times repairing a relationship that the, my loved one becomes my enemy. Has that ever happened to you? The one you love the most, the one you want to just repair the relationship, becomes enemy number one. So how do I remain humble? That's the question. How do you remain humble in the midst of this? You know, Eric and I, um, we're competitive. Does anyone have a competitive relationship? Um, I win most, no, I don't. Uh, we met playing ping pong. I won, by the way, just saying. Um, but one thing we always keep track of, we found this the other day, is in Scrabble. So she went to my weakness, which is vocabulary. So if you've been here for a while, you've heard me preach, you know I make up words sometimes. I don't know where they come from, they just come, all right? Um, and we play Scrabble, we keep, we keep score, and Erica always wins. Uh, one time I've won, that's it. Um, total, anyway. Um, the point is, is we've kept score. But in God's economy, you cannot keep score with each other. And the fact is, is the biggest sinner in the room as you're repairing a relationship, is you. So go ahead and turn to your neighbor and say, I'm the biggest sinner. That's all right, you can say it. I say it every day. Here's the thing. You have to come in with humility and realize that I am the biggest sinner in this. In the eyes of God, I am a sinner, saved by grace, just like the person next to me. You can't keep score and say, well, you know, yours was bigger than mine. Like, with sin. We can't keep score and say, well, you've done this ten bazillion times. It doesn't matter. So that was the third thing. The fourth thing. 
as you begin to sew, at least as I begin to sew, I notice minor defects. So I start to sew, and then I realize like that my part of the uniform over there is also damaged too. I look at the threads over there, and I just like I start to become almost OCD about it, and I start to see all these things, all these little things. But the fact is, I have a big hole or a tear in my uniform, but I'm worried about all these other things. And it's the same thing with relationships. Repairing a relationship requires overlooking the little things. <clears throat> Proverbs 17, 14 says, starting a quarrel is like breaching a dam. So drop the matter before a dispute breaks out. Sometimes in relationships, especially close relationships, it's like a dimmer switch. You know a dimmer switch, you go, you turn up the brightness. Relationships are like that. It, the brightness is turned up and all of a sudden you see all of these minor defects and flaws that you never thought that you had. And the other person is going to let you know about it. Yet sometimes these little things can consume the relationship. I'll give you an example. Um, I, I know there's been a couple arguments that Eric and I have had and it's like ridiculous. I'm like, I can't even believe it. And just like, um, like, I go in, and her shoes are on, on, you know, on all over the place. And I'm like, and it's not really that big of a deal, but for whatever reason, I'm just like, our whole life's messed up because your shoes are all over the place. Like, that's so ridiculous. But at that point in time, I'm focusing on the shoes. It has nothing to do with the shoes, but for some reason, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to pound away at those shoes. So... How do you do this? How do you overlook the, the little things? Because some of you are sitting here and go, Brian, you don't understand. It drives me crazy. How can I overlook it? Well, I think we need to ask ourselves, and what I'm going to bring up, does this build up the person and contribute to their Christ-likeness? Am I contributing to their Christ-likeness? Am I building them up? Is it worth destroying fellowship with this person to correct them on their shoes? Perhaps you made an idol of something. You know, this is, it has to be perfect, and this is, this is not perfect. So I think we have to get real on ourselves, or with ourselves, and with the pertains to those things. So that's the, the fourth thing. The fifth thing. I go back to the problem. The main problem in my uniform isn't the fact that I have all these other things. The fact is, is I have a big tear in my uniform. I have to fix it. That is the big thing that I have to fix. And it's the same thing with relationships. Re repairing a relationship requires addressing the big things. Proverbs 6, 16 through 19 says, There are six things the Lord hates, seven that are detestable to him. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked schemes, feet that are quick to rush into evil, a false witness who pours out lies and a person who stirs up conflict in the community. Growing up, uh, my grandmother, um, my grandmother is what you would, would have called a hoarder. She had stuff everywhere. And we would go and we would, uh, she would say, let's go to the store. I'm going to go buy some things. And we go, Grandma, there's no room. And she'd go, oh, well, you know, there's plenty of room. No, there really isn't. Like, there's stuff on, no, there's plenty of them. Okay. And then you would say, but really there isn't. And she'd go, well, you know, it's because... You know, your grandfather never made enough storage for us. And you're like, okay. And then, then she would go and say, well, you know what? If you would put, bring all your stuff and your mother would bring their stuff out of here, I'd just have plenty of room. And you see, 
Oftentimes in relationships, instead of addressing the big problem, we address the symptom. And we do this by denial or blaming. So the question is, is why don't we address these big things? Like what hinders us from addressing these big things in relationships? And really it's only one thing. It's fear. It's fear. We're, we're afraid. We're afraid of the reaction. Some of us don't like conflict. Some of us go, you know what, this relationship is broken, but at least it's a relationship. And we're afraid. We're afraid of what's going to happen. So the question is, well, how do I address these big things? I mean, they have to be addressed. How do I use them? How do I address these things without becoming like judgmental or coming off as judgmental? And I think here's the key. You have to use God's word to define the issue. Let me say this again. You have to use God's word to define and confront the issue. That's why it's so important that you are in Scripture, that you're reading God's Word and exactly, you know, knowing exactly what His prescription is for life because if something's wrong in a relationship, it's not your authority that you need to rest in. It's God's authority that you need to rest in and bring it to the person. That's the most loving thing that you could do and say, listen, I want to contribute to your holiness. There's a problem in our relationship and this is what God says and I want to come alongside you in this. But you have to know God's Word and dig into His Word for that to happen. You have to be a safe person to talk to when it comes to those things. I'm not talking about beating them up with the Bible. I'm talking about introducing them into God's word and what he has to say on the subject. I also think as you go through this, you need to bathe that conversation in prayer before, during, and after as you, you address these big things. And there's some really big things that we need to address. And can I just say this? Addressing the big things is the most loving thing you could do in a relationship. It's the most loving thing you could do. It's the most, one of the most hardest things you could do. But you're bringing them back to what God wants for your life, with their life, and for your life together. So I know we're confronted with this, and the culture says, no, no, you can't bring these things up. You can become, become judgmental. And the thing is, is God says, no, I need you to bring these things up because it's the most loving thing you can do. And here's the thing. Christ's sacrifice on the cross includes destroying the shame and the consequences of the big things in life. Specifically, our sin. That's a big deal. So that's the fifth thing. The sixth thing. So every Monday in the military, when I was a young Marine, we'd have to get inspected. You'd stand and you'd walk and you'd stand before your NCO and they would inspect you. And I can remember, you know, there was times where, you know, I'd have rips in my uniform and it's, it's an automatic failure. And then you don't want to fail. All right, bad things happen if you fail. Okay, so, but lo and behold, there'd always be someone that had a rip in the uniform. And instead of just taking accountability for that and saying, yeah, I ripped my uniform, I didn't fix it, they would have some story like, well, you know, it really wasn't my fault. It really wasn't my thing. You know, they're the one who ripped my uniform when we were doing this, this, and this. And it was really unnecessary because all, it, all that did was just shed light on something one the inspector didn't really care about. He just was like, there's a hole in your uniform. You're responsible for it. But you kind of like threw someone under the bus. And the same thing as we go and re we repair relationships, it requires discretion. It requires discretion. Proverbs 16, 28, a person, a perverse person stirs up conflict, and a gossip separates close friends. 
You know, I often wondered what would happen if you, we all had a screen on our chest, like a TV screen, and anything that you've ever done wrong just would go and, and loop. How would that make you feel? I probably would never leave the house. I would just be like, yeah, I'm good. I'm the point is, is we often do that with our words sometimes. We want to go and we want to say, oh, you know what this person did? And we sometimes, I, lo I love how one author puts it, it's a respectable sin. It doesn't come off bad, but the heart of the matter is, is that it's gossip. And that relationship is not going to be, is not going to be mended because you are bringing to light something that no one else really needs to know about. But there are times when you should say something. I don't want to pass over this because there's times when we have to say something. The most loving thing to do is to say something. And I'm not going to give you a list of those things because then we become very legalistic and we go, oh yeah, well, you know, it didn't meet this criteria. But I would say that generally, if it violates the sanctity of human life, you probably should say something or you need to say something. If it, if it violates if it's some sort of life-dominating sin that that person and you've already confronted them on in a biblical way, you need to say somebody else, but again, in a biblical way. And if you don't know what that means, I'd love to talk to you about that. So it requires discretion. So that's the sixth thing. The seventh thing. As you sow, you often wonder, is this even worth it? And I can remember a time where I had a, I had a, a big tear in my uniform and I had to sew by hand. And it took me like three hours to sew something like this big, and it did look good after I was done, but as I was going, I'm like, is this even worth it? Like, this so much work. The strain of the task is, is very difficult. And let me encourage you that it is worth it. You have to trust that it's worth it. Repairing a relationship requires trust. Proverbs 3, 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. Now listen to me on this. I'm not saying you need to trust the person because they might not be a trustworthy person. I'm saying you need to trust the Lord in the process as you go and you repair the relationship, as you seek to repair that relationship. Here's the thing. God has promised you, if you put your faith in him, that he's going to use this for your holiness and his glory. And it's, it's horrible going through it. It's like it's horrible when a relationship is torn and you want to repair it and they're not reciprocating. But the fact of the matter is, is God says, trust me, I have a plan for this. I am using this for your transformation into Christ's likeness and for my glory. Just hold on. Hold on. You're, you're going to see it one day. And this didn't, this didn't really like seep into my mind until I started thinking about God's providence and the things he's done in the past. My dad, when I was 12 years old, he committed a crime and he had to go, he had to, go to jail for a while, for about three years. It was a very difficult time for the family. And, and that relationship was broken for a time. And I really never knew how we were going to kind of reconcile that. And looking back on it, I see that those were the years that God was drawing me to himself. And I put my faith in Christ during those years. And God has used that experience to fortify the relationship with not only my father, but my heavenly father. So God uses this. He uses sin in a sinless way in relationships that we can't even possibly fathom. So if you're in here right now and you're like, I'm so discouraged. I don't know, even know if this is going to work. It's so such hard work. Let me encourage you that God knows exactly where you're at. 
He's going to use it for your holiness and for his glory. And it might not work itself out here on this earth, but it has eternal rewards. So it requires trust. Trust in the Lord. So that's the seventh thing. The eighth thing. This is the, the most important thing. Sometimes your uniform is so worn out and you've repaired it so many times, you just need a new one. You need a fresh start. And so you go to supply, you give them a new one, and uh, your old uniform, they give you a new one. It's the same thing as it pertains to repairing a relationship. Repairing a relationship requires forgiveness. So what is forgiveness? Forgiveness is an exchange. Maybe you, you weren't getting the analogy at first, like, wait, am I supposed to trade this person in? No. There's an exchange. Forgiveness is an exchange. Forgiveness is, I admit my sin. I have wronged you in this way. Not just this nebulous, yeah, I've sinned against you. No, I have sinned you. I have talked bad about you. I've said these things. Please forgive me. And then the exchange part is the person goes and says, I recognize that, and I will never hold it against you anymore. That's forgiveness. Forgiveness isn't, I'm sorry, my bad. It's not that. It's an exchange. We all need that exchange in relationships. We need forgiveness. But maybe you're sitting here and you're going, how can I forgive them for that? You have no idea how hurt I was. They said these things about me. They did these things to me. How can I forgive them? They're not worthy of forgiveness. And I agree with you, they're not. They're not worthy of forgiveness. And neither are you. You see, our forgiveness flows out of how much we've been forgiven by God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You see, God says all have fallen short of the glory of God. We are all sinners. This is why sin, understanding sin is such a big deal. Like, we don't come into relationships, we don't come into life neutrally good, like we're just neutrally, we go one way, we go bad, one way, we go, we go good. No, God says, you are radically sinful. You shook your hand at me. That's your natural condition because of sin. And we've done that. Yet God, in his mercy, sent his son, Jesus Christ, to live a perfect life. And when we put our faith and trust in Jesus on what he's done on the cross, his perfect life is imputed to us. So when the Father looks upon us, he doesn't see us anymore. He doesn't see a sinner. He sees his perfect son. We're not only just forgiven, but we're justified in front of the Father. And we've been forgiven of everything. That's the good news of the gospel. That's why we take sin so seriously. Because if we take sin seriously, grace is just abounds that much more. You need to know the bitterness of sin to just taste the sweetness of grace. And that's forgiveness. That's the exchange that God has given us in the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up here. And as I do, I need you to ask yourself, what relationships need repairing in your life? What relationships? Maybe it's a marriage. Maybe it's a brother or sister. Maybe it's between your children. In a few minutes, we're going to be partaking in the Lord's table. 
And our Lord makes it clear that before we relationally commune with him at the table, we must seek relational restoration with others. As a matter of fact, Matthew 5, 23 and 24 says, Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar and then remember that your brother or sister has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to them. Then come and offer your gift. So what I want to do is I just, I'm going to ask the worship team to just play slowly. And I want, I want you to take this time just to come before the Lord. Just you and the Lord. Come before the Lord and confess any relationship that needs healing. Confess any wrong that you've done to somebody in a relationship. I want you to ask God, perhaps it's a relationship that you want your parent. I want you to ask God to enter into that. I want you to ask him to give you wisdom on how to act on that. So let's go ahead and take a few minutes.